0: I just want to say how excited I am to be able to come and bring the word to you guys today. It is just so exciting. Like, I am just full of joy with the fact that God has given me a word to give to you today. And on a day that's so special to me, it is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. This past Wednesday, we had Ash Wednesday, an Ash Wednesday service that the youth facilitated, um, and as we continue on the rest of the season of Lent, I want you guys to continue to look into yourselves, dive deep into yourselves, and dive deep into Scripture because that's really what it's about. We reflect on our own lives in preparation for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the day that we celebrate Easter. Uh, a pastor named Mary Fairchild said this about the season of Lent. During Lent, you might observe a period of fasting, repentance, repentance, moderation, self-denial, self-denial, and spiritual discipline. The purpose of the Lenten season is to set aside time for reflection on Jesus Christ, to consider his suffering and his sacrifice, his death, life, burial, and resurrection. Are you guys ready for that? This whole month leading up to Easter will be devoted to discipleship, sacrifice, and commitment, and we're going to be diving deep into the Word and diving deep into ourselves. So as I uh, begin the sermon today, I'm going to take a sip of water because it's a little bit better than the other thing that I normally have in my hand. And I think Pastor Jared would would know what it is that I'm a little bit addicted to. There's this thing called coffee that I'm a little <laughs> bit addicted to. How many? Who else is addicted to coffee? <laughs> this uh, coffee has become a bit of a temptation in my life. as the first thing that I wake up in the morning. I think of having that hot cup of coffee. Um, It's not necessarily a good habit to get in. In fact, when I was in college, I'm going to tell you guys a a little bit of an embarrassing story. I was in my preaching class with this uh, professor named Dave Ward. Some of you may know Dave Ward. He just told us to call him Dave, and uh, he was a really awesome teacher. He was a hard grader, and I was coming up on this assignment where I had to prepare a 10 to 15 minute devotional that would later turn into my senior sermon. So it was only the first quarter of the semester, and I was a little bit worried about this, and if you knew me in college, you knew that I was the biggest procrastinator in the universe. Um, So I was coming up to this date where I had to get in front of my classmates and my professor Dave and share this 10 to 15 minute devotional. Of course, being the procrastinator that I was, I got up on, I think it was a Thursday after my classes were over and decided to write the entire thing that day, stayed up until 2 a.m., got four hours of sleep, woke up at Oh, 6 a.m. on that Friday morning when I had to share this devotional at about 11.25 or so. And you know what I did? Instead of waking up and getting in the Word, I made an entire pot of coffee. <laughs> I made an entire pot of coffee because I thought that was going to settle my nerves a little bit. Well, if you have drank too much coffee before, you know that it doesn't do that at all. It does the opposite of that. Um, so I walk into my class. I stand in front of my classmates. And knowing that I'm way more anxious than I should have been, knowing that I'm way more worried about this than I should have been, and knowing that I have an entire pot of coffee in my system, I try to control myself while I'm reading this devotional and stand as still as I can, all the while shaking and jittering the entire time. (laughs) So afterward, the class gets together and they grade you. Dave made the comment that I was as uh, still as a stone during an earthquake. If you can imagine, I was just standing there shaking. (laughs) All that to say, my temptation for coffee did not lead me down a good path by any means whatsoever. <laughs> so now it's a little bit more in moderation. I have a cup or two a day, maybe five, I don't know. <laughs> so as we get down to the Scripture, I'd like you guys, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and it'll be on the screen for you if you'd like to read it from there. I'll give you guys a second. This is going to be a passage about the temptation of Jesus. He goes into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And let me remind you the highest point of the temple was probably about 300 feet in the air. It was definitely not very close to the ground at all. So Jesus is taken up to the temple, and the devil tells him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, saying, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give to you, if only you bow down and worship me. Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I want to remind us all that Jesus, as he's going into the wilderness to be tempted, he's doing that in the full humanity of who he is. He is both God and he is both human. He's going into the desert to be tempted as a man. Just as you and I are tempted, and I think many of us can relate to Jesus in this temptation, we go into a time of our life when there's no hope, when there doesn't seem to be any sustenance out there. Maybe you have a relationship in your life that just is not healthy, and you feel alone or you feel abused. There's so many situations in our life that make us feel secluded from everybody, And I think each of us can think of a time like that when we felt secluded, when we felt alone. If we look back into the Old Testament for a moment, there was another group of people who were sent into the wilderness, into the desert, and they were put to the test. If we look into the book of Exodus, we see a group we like to call the Israelites, who were God's chosen people, and they were held in captivity by the Egyptians for 430 years. That's a long time, right? So if you can imagine these Egyptians who were held in captivity for 430 years, they were assimilated to that culture. They more than likely worshipped the Egyptian gods. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Moses shows up in our book. This guy named Moses who has a, a, a connection with the God of Israel. And he tells these Israelites that God wants them to get out of captivity, and they tell him to follow him. And this is what Exodus Chapter 6 says, the Lord is speaking to Moses what he's about to do. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as a God almighty. And because of my mighty hand, they will know me as Lord. Lord. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. The Lord is telling Moses that he sees what's going on with his people, and he wants to take them out of that. If we skip ahead for a little, a little bit, we see uh, these plagues happen to the Egyptians. Fire falls from the sky frogs infest the land. Bugs come and eat up all of the food. The water is turned to blood and becomes undrinkable. There's all of these mighty acts that God does to work on the heart of Pharaoh to release the people. And eventually, Pharaoh says, get out of here. I don't want you guys in my place anymore because I know God's going to continue to do these things until you guys are released. So Pharaoh tells them to get out of there. Woohoo! They're not captives anymore. Unfortunately, the Israelites didn't really seem to care all that much. They got frustrated with things. They got sent into a land that was barren, just like Jesus went out into the wilderness where there wasn't a whole lot for him to uh, be sustained with. There was no sign of sustenance, no sign of hope. And there was probably not a lot of sign of life on the other side. And they blindly followed this guy, Moses, without knowing where they were going or what was going to be on the other side. But at least they were comfortable in Egypt. They wanted to go back there because there was food, because there was clothing, because they were taken care of. They were given this promise by a guy they didn't really know. And Moses believed this promise so much that he was willing to go into the desert. But to top it all off, Moses didn't even make it to that place either. So it just seems like a big waste of time, right? In the same way that the Israelites were sent into the desert after their triumphal exodus from Egypt, Jesus too was sent into the wilderness after a pretty high moment in his life. He was given, he was baptized by John, right? He was baptized right before this. The Holy Spirit descended on him, and the Father spoke from heaven This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And then he gets sent into the desert to be tempted. So there's this really high point in Jesus's life. And I think even right now in in this context, Lakeview's going through a time of transition. It's had its glory days. It's had these amazing points in time. And it often feels like we could be in a desert. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Let's take a look again at what Jesus's temptation was like and how that relates to us. Three times the devil tempts Jesus, and the first time... Jesus is given the opportunity to take his circumstance and then make use of his divine power to get a quick fix, in a sense. If you think of the idea of 40 days and fasting for 40 days, just like Jesus did, 40 days is supposed to be like the limit that you're able to fast. So he was probably pretty close to pooping out, (laughs) not being able to go much longer. He was hungry. He was thirsty, and the devil comes and says, you can just make these stones into food, sustenance. You can satisfy yourself right here, right now. But Jesus responded with the words of Deuteronomy 8.3 and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but, the, but, but from the word of God only. He knows that the one thing that's going to sustain him is the word of God. That's it. At the same time, the Israelites, they were taken care of by God. They were given food. They were given manna. The Israelites, when they were thirsty, they asked Moses to talk to God about that. And God said, hey, go smack this rock over here and I'll give you water. He gave them food. He gave them water. He gave them clothing. He gave them direction. Yet when the hope seemed to run out, the Israelites tried to take advantage of what they did have and make away for themselves. The second temptation of Jesus would be one of putting God to the test so that God had to prove himself to humanity. Even though, we, like I just said, God had already proven himself. God doesn't have to give us a reason. God doesn't have to show us that he is who he says he is because he has been who he said he is, and he will always be who he said he is. We don't have to put God to the test because he's the same all the time. Amen. He doesn't answer to us. The third temptation that Jesus faced was the temptation of power, glory, control. It was a temptation of self-glorification instead of selflessness. A temptation of turning from the truth of who God is and turning to self. There was a temptation to turn toward evil that oftentimes seems to have more promise in it than what the promise of God has. He was offered all the kingdoms, all the land. Jesus already knew that it was all his anyway, so he didn't really have anything to worry about. But as a man, he was tempted to gain power, glory, and control by bowing down to the devil. What are you going to do when you're tempted by Satan? Satan. What are you going to do when you're in the desert and you're tempted with sin? You're tempted with getting a quick fix that's going to get you by for the next couple days. What are you going to do when you're tempted with doubting God? What are you going to do when you're tempted with telling God, you need to prove yourself to me. In a way, you're telling God, I'm in control, so you need to listen to me now. When are you tempted... With the sin around you, that has more promise in it for a moment than the eternal promise that God has for you, maybe some of you have seen God move in mighty, powerful, and in mighty and powerful ways in the past. But in this desert, you're tempted to lose your faith. You're tempted to put God in a box you're tempted to try to make your way on your own. When in all reality, what you have to do is go to God first and not go to yourself first. If you would, and this is something that we've done before, I want you to put your hand in front of your face. I want you to put your hand in front of your face. I want you to focus right in the center of your hand. What your hand represents right now is your circumstances, it represents your temptations, it represents those things in your life that are in the way of what you should be focusing on. So I want you to just focus on the center of your hand for a moment. I want you to look around with your hand still in your face. Can you see much of anything when you're focused on that hand? No. But when you, when you turn around, when I'm going to turn around here. When you look up at the cross and your hand's still in front of your face, can you really see the cross? You might see a shadow of it behind your hand. But put your focus on the cross with your hand still in front of your face. Your circumstances are still going to be there. The temptations are still going to be there. Put your focus in the midst of those temptations, in the midst of those circumstances. Put your focus on God and His Word that is the way, the truth, and the life. In a time like this, when it would be so, so easy to become, become untrusting of God, when it would be easier to become divisive, when it would be easier to fall to sin, when it would be easier to rag on people, when it would be easier to get a quick fix or to jump ship. The only thing that we have to do in the face of these temptations is go to God first. In every single one of Jesus' temptations, the one thing that he went back to was the Word of God. In all of your circumstances, in all of your temptations, where are you actually going back to the Word of God first? First. First. When you go to the Word of God first, what comes after that will be set straight. You don't have to rely on yourself. You don't have to rely on your circumstances to provide. The only thing that you need to do is go to God first. He will help you make the right decisions. He will help you and sustain you. He will put clothing on your back. When you go to Him first, that is when you will be provided for. So when you're tempted to get mad at somebody, when you're tempted to leave someplace that makes you uncomfortable or where there's people you don't agree with, when you're tempted to ask God to prove himself, go to his word. And now I want you to think about your hand again. There's going to be those things that are in front of you that get in the way of the word coming first in your life. And we're starting off this season of Lent with a challenge. Many of you might have already taken up something that you're going to set aside and get out of the way. It might be TV. It might be relationships that are damaging or getting in the way. It might be temptations or sin that seem like they're way better than what God has for you. But this is what my challenge is for you guys today. What is that one thing that is preventing you from going to God and His Word first in those temptations? And what's going to happen is when you go to God first, what comes after that is a straight, straight path. It might not be easy, but what comes after that is a straight, straight and clear path. And the cool thing about this is when you call upon God, first and foremost, I want you guys to remember that Jesus, when he went out into the desert or went out into the wilderness, he had the Spirit of God on him that was guiding him. And that same spirit that was with Jesus in the wilderness is with, is with us. It is with us to get us through. It's with every single person in this room. So when you're going through these temptations, you're not alone. You really aren't alone. You have God with you, and you have all the rest of the people in this room with you who are there with the same spirit of God to guide your path straight. And today, I think one of the most appropriate things we can do is share a meal together. And as you can see, we have these communion stations up here. We're going to be sharing this meal together as a symbol of the unity that we have in Christ and as a symbol of the temptation that does not conquer over the truth of God. The body that was broken for you is what we're going to be partaking of. The blood that was poured out to cover the sin in your life will be partaken of today. And we get to do that together. So as, as Jessica and Lenny come up here, let us not forget that we are one church united under the same God. We can partner with one another. It's temptation comes. And those things that get in the way of going to God first, they don't have to be any longer. They do not have to have victory over you when you go to the Word first.